we uh, get into our sermon or our message series for this morning, I was reminded by um, one of the ladies on our catering team, uh, one of the dream teams at Father's House is the catering team. They make uh, calorie-free brownies and sweet treats that we enjoy after church on Sundays. They're making calorie-free fit cook, I believe. Next week, Sunday, Maudini said right, or the, or the Sunday, 26th of November, 10 rand each. Yes, am I right? I think so. Yeah, 10 rand each. So if you want to pre-order some of those, you're welcome to. But uh, we're going to be selling some fit cook from the coffee shop on Sunday. Can I get uh, four for the Dwemini, please? Um, yeah, that would be great. You can just from a, you can uh, ask the Lord for the payment there. He's going to bless me with a calorie-free one. No, I'm joking. Terrible. But uh, church, we're in, we're in a brand new series called True Story. Uh, and this is week two of the series, it's devoted to unpacking real life stories from real life people seeing God's hand at work in their lives, seeing God's power at work in people's lives. You know, we believe um, in the value of every now and then devoting time in our Sunday worship experience to hear people's testimonies of how God has moved in their life. Uh, we, we think there's merit in taking a moment to bring a sort of a personal touch to our spiritual journeys by connecting the dots with someone else's life and what they've gone through. Every now and then it, it, it helps to personalize uh, these biblical truths that we talk about. Amen. And notice how when it comes to sharing our testimony, as we heard last week, and this will just be a little bit of context for the series, the focus is always on God when it comes to sharing a testimony. The focus is always on His provision, uh, on His presence. That's why a testimony tells people how good God is and confirms the Scripture. Amen? No, no testimony of man can ever be greater than the testimony of the Lord Jesus Himself. You understand what I'm saying? And feels important just to set that context as we launch into week, into week two and kind of bring everyone up to speed with the series. Um, and so for us, you know, as Father's House Church, testimonies always point people towards God, not towards one's problems. That's also important. You know, a testimony never gives you permission to identify with a past failure of some kind. A testimony rather uh, inspires hope to remind you that there's a future victory that's possible for you. And you say amen to that. We don't, we don't create sympathy by sharing testimonies. We inspire hope by sharing testimonies. And so with that being said, as a little bit of context to the series and what we've been up to, we're going to hear from a couple this morning who have a story to tell of God's restorative work in their lives, specifically in the area of relationships. You know, what you think about when you think about God is really important. What you think about when you think about God is really important. You know, some people think about distance when they think about God. You know, the big man upstairs kind of language and theology, indicating you know, they think about him as someone who's far off, who's, who's, who's not intimately aware of what's going on around us. You know, some people think about a negative situation when they think about God. You know, they had this bad thing happen in their life and they go, God, why did you let this happen to me? That's what some people think about when they think about God. Some others, others might not think anything at all when they think about God. They don't know him. They have no connection to him. You know, he's just a fairy tale that some 2.3 billion people uh, in the world claim that they follow. I might just want to rethink that one slightly if there's 2.3 billion people who, who consider this to be real, some of whom are willing to die for that claim, might say something about the value of what it is. Or some people, when they think about God, they think about hope. They think about mercy or friendship or love. 
I wonder if you're here this morning and if you're, or if you're listening online, if you've ever thought about God or experienced God as a restorer, as a restorer of some kind. It's one of the most beautiful characteristics of who God is, that this idea, this concept that he is a restorer of things. Let's, let's look at a couple of scriptures to consider on this point. Acts chapter 3, uh, this is Peter speaking. This is the start of the church, right? Acts chapter 2. Peter's busy speaking. He's just healed a man who was lame, who was born lame. He's lame from birth. He heals this guy and people come to, come to him going, oh my word, what on earth happened? And he kind of preaches the gospel message. Uh, and in this exposition of the gospel, 5,000 people get saved on this moment. And this is what he says as part of that sermon. He says, heaven must receive him, Jesus, until the time of the restoration of all things which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. God will restore all things. He's talking about the fulfillment, right? When Christ comes to redeem the whole earth. It's the bigger picture of the gospel story. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. The God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. One of my favorite verses talks about the work that God is going to do for, for us himself, one of them being to restore. And then finally, what about 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 9? For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong, your restoration is what we pray for. Paul writing to the church saying they literally pray for their restoration. God is a restorer. And what an encouragement it is to hear from a couple this morning who saw God's miracle provision in the area of their relationships and in the area of restoring brokenness uh, in relationships that speaks to this idea um, of, of God being a restorer. And for me personally, um, this being the first time that I'm actually uh, preaching a message on the True Story series, uh, it was great to have something of a personal connection uh, with the couple uh, as well in that you know, I had the humbling honor of walking a bit of a road with them, especially with Jacques, uh, the husband that you'll hear from now, uh, from the beginning right the way um, up to the point of standing alongside them as their friend and officiating their wedding uh, uh, sometime towards the end of last year. So it's a great platform for us to have a conversation about how God, according to Scripture, is the great restorer. So this is Jacques and Renee Kuhn, everybody, and this is their story. I remember coming in, it was the first time after being separated and being alone with my children. Um, they were, this was the, the first weekend they were away from me and I came to church and um, when worship started I just started crying and crying and I knew and the lady next to me took my hand and she gave me a tissue and she said um, it's going to be okay and I've never seen her here again. I don't know who she is but I felt home and I felt this is where I belong um, and then I started coming every second weekend. 2018 I started to join Dream Team um, and just started serving. Kids Church um, uh, what is communications, not communications, welcome, connections, connections and welcome. yes, mm-hmm. um, and production. And at one stage at the back there, at the Production, yeah, last two years was in production, so yeah. just serving, dream team, never saw Jock, never met him, never, our paths never crossed um, until January 2022. As broken and as 
down and out you are. Um, God starts working and the serving and the people. And like Vince said the other day, people in church worship and you, unknowing to you, you lasso your rope and you, you, yeah. you throw your rope around them and they, they pull you closer and closer and closer and you, you're, you just get restored and serving and, and the love of the people in your family in church, you just get rebuilt and your foundation is in God and you, you, you get to know who your value, where your value comes from and um, how, how your, your strength in that difficulty, where it comes from and how God just builds you up and restores you and makes you whole again. I lived a good life. It was the first time in my life ever at 38 years old I could live on my own without having to stay with somebody. So you get that sense of you, you've, you, you, you made it. Then the biggest trap for me ever, self-righteousness. Okay. I got that snare, six love, and I found out that rock bottom has got a basement. Okay, you can fall far if you want to. Because it escalates. Um, at first it's a slip and then it's a slide and then if you, if, if you, don't, if you don't grab the right hand it, you don't know where it's going to stop eventually lost everything packed up the only thing I knew was back home came back home were you in a relationship at that time Sean? yes and everything fell apart like instantaneous immediately when the money stopped everything stopped said whoever's available and I got to Pastor Lloyd wow. and we started a journey Pastor, let me tell you between sitting here on a Sunday and getting all the info I need to rebuild from you and the, the weekday visits from Lloyd it was it was exactly what I needed to fix all the wrong that I've caused in my own life I saw every, look, looking back, if, if I go through the journey of all the things that we discussed, and I, I almost want to say Lloyd sent me out with homework. And then the next week I got tested on that homework to see if, 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 if I catch it. And the amount of things that opened up, the views you get if you look at things different, it's the same thing. It's just your view change. It opens up a door that you never knew was there. I thrived in parking because I, I, I felt that I can give back. Um, I can draw closer to the other people at church that comes for, for the same kind of thing that I've come. You, you, you start to notice people that park when they come at you. start to notice who needs a hug, yeah. who needs a high five. Um, there, there, was, there was literally some mornings when I came here when I didn't feel like coming. And somebody else would come to me and give me a, like a high five or a hug and it's like, you know what, I, I actually needed that. It's almost like you want to say, uh, your cup gets empty yeah. and somebody else just gives you a little bit and it, it inspires you along and once you come sit here and worship workout, worship's my thing. Mm -hmm. That's where I, I, lock, I, I lock out of the world and I lock into heaven and I give it all. Two different people having the same journey, but in separate, until we came to that point of meeting. And that is a cool story. <laughs> Tell me about that story. I'm not even sure I know that. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I would say I'm, I was quite healed at the time um, on my journey where I felt I, I got to experience my self-worth again. 
Um, growing growing with family, I mean, father's house is family. Uh, let, 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 let's face it, that is what it is. Mm-hmm. And we grow together, we walk together, we, we fall together, we pick each other up and, and, and we go on. So I, I, I found myself worth again, being among like true believers and people that wants to see the best in you. I got to a point of where, where I've slipped and slided so far that I thought to myself, yeah, I've, I've, I've always been in, 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 in the Christian family and, and, and in the circle. So I've never, I've never moved away from it. But you, your, your faith sort of like faded away and, and the self-righteousness takes over. So you start, you, you, you start licking the ice cream of the world. Um, it, it starts looking like maybe that's, that's the way to go. And then you get to a point where you realize, but hang on, everything good has always come from being blessed by or through God or something in line with that. So why not start over? Because you're going to have to start over. But why not start over with God in the middle now? Build around whatever He gives you. If, you've got, if you feel you've got nothing left, just give the Holy Spirit a spot. We read Bible together. We... You know, whenever I lack something, I feel that she knows it and she, she puts it whatever I lack. And, and likewise, there, there might be a day up. And How long have you two been married? Recently married, just a little bit over a year. <laughs> one year, one month. <laughs> one year, one month. How good is that? Amen. Can we just give them a round of applause, church, as we are? Oh, thank you, guys. Just consider the... The amazing story. I love that so much. Um, I connected with so much, obviously, of what Jacques was saying, having known a little bit, um, a little bit of their journey. And what they don't tell you in that five to seven minute clip that we just watched is, is just how broken the situations and the pasts were that they, that they came from. Jacques touched on it briefly, you know, when he said, even, even rock bottom has a basement. <laughs> how was that statement? Um, you know, he, he, he talked about how there was this, this lack of, of personal responsibility, I guess, in, in what he had done. Um, something that I think is so powerful to admit when it comes to any a recovery journey. Um, and that God had really just brought him through this really, really dark place. Um, and part of the homework that I actually gave him that he, that he touched on there was, you know, questions like, what's, what's one thing that you can do differently this week to get you to, to, towards the goal of, of, of where you want to go? What's one thing you can do to, to see your situation change? And then he would come back with that decision, uh, with, that, with that wisdom. You know, we obviously prayed through it, but I said there's some decisions that you can make too, some decisions that God has given you wisdom to make. And, and it was amazing to see what, what God had done in his life. But the reason why I mentioned, you know, this level of brokenness that they had, that they had reached was to, was to simply say this, as they, as they mentioned it, it doesn't matter how far you think you have drifted from God. God is able to meet you right there in that place and pull you out. No one is out of reach of the restorer. Can you say amen to that, church? And the measure by which you have been afflicted in something is the measure by which you will be comforted in something. Does that make sense? The measure by which you have been afflicted, hurt, damaged, experienced brokenness, that's the measure by which you'll be comforted. Someone who's reached that level of brokenness in their life will experience that level of comfort. You, know, um, you lose a pet, say, you need God's comfort at a certain level. You lose a job, 
You need God's comfort at another level. You almost lose both your kids <laughs> to a manipulative and controlling ex-husband like Renee had. That's a whole other level of comfort that you experience when you place your life in God's hands. Does that make sense? And so I suppose the part that I want to spend just a few moments with us talking about is that no matter the place, no matter the person, no matter the circumstance that you're in or that you know someone is in, God is able to restore you back to who he created you to be. Amen. So considering their story, church, I want to just draw very quickly three levels of restoration that we can experience in our spiritual journeys as people. And I want to share them with you as an encouragement uh, this morning. Let's look at just how Jacques and Renee mentioned in their video. God wants, you, wants to restore you to complete wholeness. Complete wholeness. And there's three levels of that restoration that take place in our lives as people. And the first one, and this is the most important level of restoration that takes place, is where God restores us back to himself. Where God restores us back to himself. This is what I've called the restoration of the spirit. The restoration of the spirit. You know, here's the thing. The nature of the human condition that we have is such that without the spirit of God living on the inside of us, we are, spiritually speaking, what, what scripture calls dead. Very simply. That is because we are, we, we by nature live in a fallen world. We, it's corrupted by this problem called sin that we experience. And our spirits without Christ are are bound, as it were, to this sinful nature that, that governs us. But in our state of spiritual deadness, God reached down in loving kindness and mercy and, and reached down into our brokenness and made us alive together with Christ. He did this through Christ's work on the cross. This is the nature of the gospel. Jesus took what we should have so we could receive what we shouldn't have. Jesus took what we should have so we could receive what we shouldn't have. This is the gospel of grace. And this is the first and greatest work of restoration that takes place in our lives as people. Romans 8, one of the most well-known chapters in the whole Bible, it puts it this way. Now the mindset of the flesh is death. That's where we were without the Spirit of God. But the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it doesn't submit to his law. Indeed, it's unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. That's a hectic scripture, but it's there, right? You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. There was this divine transaction that took place when we received Christ. We go from dead to alive. We go from far off to right in close. We go from disconnected to connected to the one that loved us and gave himself for us. And here's the reason why this is so important, church. This is why I wanted to share this idea on, on, on three levels of restoration with you and start with this one. Without this first restoration of us to God in place, nothing else flows as it should. Nothing else flows as it should. And with this restoration in place, when you are restored to God in your spirit, everything else finds its proper place in your life. I've heard testimony after testimony after testimony from people. I've had counseling meeting after meeting after meeting from people who said those exact same words as Jacques and Renee. Once God got me to the place that he wanted me to be, everything else in my life seemed to click into place from there. Doors started opening. There was a better flow of things in my life. 
other things fell away without even me realizing it. Whatever language you want to put to that idea, all of it to say there is a divine order of things in our spiritual journeys. And when God is at the, at, at the head, when he is first, everything else flows and finds its proper place. You have peace in your life in areas you didn't know you could have peace. Like Jacques was saying, he stayed at the same broken situation, yet he felt God's hand at work simply because he had allowed himself to be restored back to God. It's God's design, friends, for his children to place him first in everything. You know, I was thinking a lot about this and, and wondering, you know, is this, are we saying that God is, is, is legalistic? Are we saying that God is bossy, you know, by almost demanding that we place him first? And I thought, actually, if you think about the, the deeper levels of that, this is not a legalistic transaction with God. It's an indication of a merciful invitation from God. He's not forcing anybody to do this. He's inviting us to do this. God's not trying to be difficult by placing a demand on us. He's being extremely gracious by placing an invitation before us to say yes to him. Yes, it does mean that when we place God first, other things come second. Yes, it does mean that. But I can promise you, as I've seen it in my own life and in, in, in the lives of people like Jacques and Renee, God is a way better owner and manager of my life and decision-making than I am. <laughs> if we to be very honest, I mean, I have a, had a gym contract now for, I don't know, 10 years. And I think I shared this recently that, you know, I sort of adopt the workout plan where I do chest on a Monday and rest day for three months. That's just, it seems to work for me, you know. I'm terrible sometimes at making my own decisions and managing my own life. So I would rather, I would much rather say yes to God's leadership and follow Him before anything else. It's not an indication of God being bossy. And this is also, hear me out here for a moment, church, this is not a guarantee that once you place your life in God's hands, nothing else will ever go wrong. We're not saying that at all. Any Christians want to amen to that? We know some things still happen, right? What we are saying is, like our friends just mentioned, nothing else can satisfy that deep longing of your soul for the peace that comes from knowing your Heavenly Father personally and from placing Him first. Nothing else can substitute that. And that's why it is so crucially important to be restored to Him, your Maker, your Creator first. Find your rest in Him. Find your place in Him. Let Him find His place as first in your life. And watch everything else fall into its proper place from there. Can you say amen to that? Secondly, there's a restoration of you to the saved version of you. This is what I've called the restoration of the soul. Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13 says this. Notice the language here. Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Would you do something cheesy for me, church, and just repeat the words, work out? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, this is a powerful verse, for it is God who is working in you, both to will and to work according to his good purpose. I'll spend all month on that, on that verse. But just notice that work out your own salvation. There is a part of the Christian faith, the Christian journey, that I wish I had heard more about earlier in my, in my Christian experience. It would have saved me a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration over the years, if I'm honest. And that is, 
once we are restored to God in our spirits, saved, we have to let that salvation work its way out through every part of who we are. That's sanctification. Man, I wish someone had just explained that to me earlier. It would have kept me from getting born again and again and again and again. Well, no, there's church services, right? Come forward if you're saved. And I'm like, well, I messed up this week. I must repent and come back to salvation again. Born again and again and again. But actually, what this is talking about is, this is talking about your growth in salvation, your sanctification journey. You know, I wouldn't have lived in so much fear of losing out on eternal life when actually my, all my bad choices were doing was causing me to lose out on my earthly and heavenly inheritance. That was the part that's getting messed up. And this, this idea is a real, real game changer when it settles in your heart. You know, the one moment happens on salvation. We call that being born again. That happens by grace through faith. We know it. That's Christ's work. The other happens every single day as I'm continually being saved in my soul. That's sanctification. And it's also by grace, by the way. And as much as there's receiving God's power for salvation, that moment when you say yes to him and place him as Lord, as, as Lord and Savior of your life, there's power in receiving God's hand every moment of every day as you work out that salvation with fear and trembling. You know what the language work out actually means there? Kind of a better translation would be the outworking of your salvation. That's kind of the, the idea that he's, that, he, that he's talking about. You know, you could, I guess, put it practically this way. You may have been born selfish, but you're born again generous. Salvation's got to work its way out into your generosity. You may have been born angry, but you're born again gracious. Salvation's got to outwork itself into the area of your emotions. You've been born with bad language, but you're born again speaking life. Allow the power of God's salvation to work itself out into your language. You may have been born lonely, depressed, proud, hopeless, lost, whatever, but through Christ you are born again more than a conqueror through him who loved you. All these areas, it's, 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 it's part of the sanctification work and we have to, church, allow the Spirit of God to move in us and through us and bring us to that place of continuous restoration of our soul. Our soul is our mind. It's our will. It's our emotions. That, that needs to be transformed into God's image on a daily basis. You know, Jacques especially when we first chatted, he, he carried a lot of baggage in his soul from his past. He did. He would admit that to you and he wouldn't mind me sharing that at all. He was a very broken and a very hurt man. He was. I'll never forget that first appointment. He could barely look up at me. He sat with his head down like this the whole time we were, we were chatting. He just every now and then just lifted his eyes. You could visibly see these signs of, of depression and anger that he was carrying in his body and gradually Week after week, as he said yes to the power of God for sanctification, we watched as that power worked its way out of his spirit into his soul. It started changing his language. It started changing his emotions. It started driving different behaviors. It started opening his eyes to seeing things. And they both mentioned it. One of the key ways we do this, one of the key ways that we allow the saving power of Christ to work its way out is through worship. It's through worship. They both said, and I'm even reminded of this in my own journey, that, that worship, not just a song or two that we sing on a Sunday, but a life devoted to God is one of the best ways of working out your salvation and establishing this restored soul. 
You know, you know who was really good at, at, at worshipping and reminding his soul that his spirit was saved? David. David. Not David Beckham. David the psalmist. Um, although it wouldn't be bad if David Beckham also got to this point. Um, David, David was known as a man after God's own heart, right? He was perhaps what some people would call emotional. You go read some of the Psalms. He starts off like just broken, depressed, down and out, what's going on? And then he ends with this, in the middle, this is praise the Lord, then he goes down again, then he's, you know. But David had that kind of relationship with God where he was humble enough and honest enough to go to God with all of his fears, his shame, his needs, uh, you know. And while David had problems, obviously, he didn't complain about God because of his problems. He complained to God about his problems. You see the difference? He didn't complain about God. God, this is your fault because of this thing that's happening. He went to God about his problems. Oh, Lord, these people are pursuing me, trying to take my life. That's a very, very important difference. He was real with the Lord. You know, he said, this is what's happening, but he never allowed himself to, to cast the blame. I love it what Jacques said when he said, these are the choices that I made in my own life. His own bad choices. Such a powerful thing to admit. And when we're able to do that, when we're able to go to God with our problems, that reveals a heart of worship and this progress of a restored soul that we're talking about, something that is so important and so precious in our spiritual journeys. Speaking of David, let's have a look at two Psalms quickly. Look at the, look at the language here. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him. I will still praise him in this storm, in this brokenness, in this difficulty, in this disheartening situation. I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. He never took his eyes off who he was. Can you say amen to that? Psalm 103, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. My soul, David talking to himself. He's encouraging his soul. My soul, bless the Lord and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Look at this. This is beautiful. My soul, bless the Lord. Do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. Man, that's beautiful. This is evidence, friends, of the saved version of you that you want to see. It's the version of, of, of you that brings God glory and brings you to the places and the experiences that are best for you. You know, we don't want to go through life and be in places where we are saved but stuck. Saved but stuck in brokenness. Saved but stuck in financial mismanagement. Saved but stuck in a cycle of bad decision making and addiction. You know, saved but stuck in the identity of what society says you should be or a friend, or a spouse even, or an ex-spouse, or parents. Those aren't the versions of you. That stuck version of you is not the version that represents the salvation that is in your spirit. And we need to step into worship, just like Jacques and Renee did in their story. They, they committed to coming to church even when they didn't feel like it. And this, friends, this heart of worship is what facilitates this restoration of our soul that God so desperately wants for us as his children. Can you say amen to that this morning? And then finally, uh, finally, uh, church, I'm going to end with this last point. The third level is where God restores us to one another. Where he restores us to one another. I've called this the restoration of the body. Now I know there's, 
is absolute restoration of the physical body that takes place. And if you're following that First Thessalonians 5, 23 verse where you know, we read the spirit, soul, and body, you'll know that sometimes that physical restoration happens on earth now. Um, and we know that it will happen one day when Christ redeems the whole creation. There are countless stories of supernatural miracles and healings that happen in someone's physical body now on earth. It was, a, in fact, a normal part of the gospel being preached, right? And we know that in heaven there will be no more tears one day. We know that happens. But for the purposes of our conversation this morning, I'm wondering if you could just allow me the space to say, taking into account Jacques and Renee's story of restoration, that we can't ignore this last and final restoration that takes place, not only between ourselves and God, between ourselves to the real saved version of ourselves, but also from ourselves to the body of Christ as well. You know, both of them mentioned it. The restoration that they experienced in their spirits and their souls, it didn't leave them separated from church. It brought them closer to church. It activated them in the body. And it, it caused this desire to, to rise up on the inside of them to give back to the body in some way. I think that is so precious and such a necessary part of someone's spiritual journey. In fact, if we could just get real for a second, um, you know, one of the values that we believe in as church is authenticity, right? Um, the measure by which you appreciate the salvation you've received is the measure by which you will feel committed to reflecting it in some way. That is what it is. Um, I touched on this a little while ago when, when I was receiving the offering one morning and I said, um, there's a pastor overseas called Robert Morris. Many of you know him. He authored the book called The, the Blessed Life. Read it. Change your life. Um, and his wife was asked one day, how come Robert is so generous? Like, I'm talking not just, you know, putting a 20-year end in the envelope on a Sunday, like giving away a house. Yeah, they gave away their first house. I mean, if I had to say that to my wife, <laughs> she would be like, you better be hearing from God very clearly right now. Um, his wife was asked, how come Robert is so generous? Like, what is, what's the deal with this guy? And you know what she said? He said that Robert has never gotten over getting saved. He was a broken man, you see. He was in an abusive cycle of drugs and, you know, prodigal living. And he never got over getting saved. And that is what produced this, this, this unusual generosity in him. And I was thinking about their story going, oh man, is that not the same thing? The measure by which we appreciate the salvation that we have received <laughs> is the measure by which we will feel committed to sharing it and reflecting it with others. I know there's seasons where the, the practical application of, of being in a building on a Sunday morning is difficult. I understand that as a, as a parent of a toddler, I, I totally get that. But then our, our personal devotional time, our heart posture towards God should, should reflect that desire, right? To serve Him in such a way that it, it bubbles over on the inside of us in gratitude and thankfulness in some other way. Um, and I ask myself this question, I wonder, I wonder how different Jacques and Renee's journey would have been had they not allowed this third level of restoration to take place, them to the body. I mean, apart from they literally met through serving, um, I wonder what their journey would have looked like without this, this, this key factor in their story. Um, and when we think about their journey, it's no wonder also when we consider scriptures like 1 Peter chapter 5, Verse 10 that says, just as each one has received a gift, 
Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as the one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength that God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. You know, when you consider that in their story, it's no wonder that there's this this kind of blessing attached almost to, to a heart committed to showing with thankfulness the salvation that we have received. Um, you know, church, we don't serve others out of obligation to get blessed by God. We serve others out of thankfulness because we are blessed by God. I'm not serving someone so that I can get blessed. It's, no, I'm serving out of thankfulness because I am blessed by God. I have received salvation in my spirit. If God never did another thing for me, that would be enough. You understand what I'm saying? Serving keeps us humble in our journey. Serving keeps the shine of our faith glowing brightly. Serving is a great way of doing something now to express your gratitude to God as opposed to having to go through a situation like what they went through. <laughs> you understand what I mean? We should be able to learn from stories like that and go, gosh, I'm so thankful I don't have to get my kids taken away from me before I can put God first, as they said, you know, read our Bible and serve and do all these things. I can get right with God right now. I can place him first and start serving right now. Um, and it, it was so beautiful to see the one morning um, as Jacques was serving in the parking team um, at Father's House, Mandela Bay. Um, he kind of came up to me the one, this one morning uh, and he said, you know what, um, there's this lady that I've been seeing coming to church by herself. Um, I've helped, you know, park her car a few times. There's a, you know, it's a, I don't know, probably a 1,500 um, car-sized big parking lot at Mandela Bay. Um, and a whole team kind of navigates the cars. <laughs> In fact, when you saw her car coming in, you would radio the other guys. Guys, it's my car. I got it. I got it. Don't worry. I got this car. I'll park it. I'll park it. Every week, you'd, you can check there. Oh, there she goes. And he runs, you know. Um, but it was so beautiful for him to say the one morning, um, I finally feel like I'm in the place where I can receive a blessing from God um, that I'm capable of looking after. Pretty cool, hey? He'd, he'd, he'd grown in and through this, the serving of others. Um, yeah, it's humbling. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's not easy asking for forgiveness and offering forgiveness. And God takes you through that shredder of your pride. Yes, it's brutal. But now he's in this place where he goes, you know what? If God had to open a door for me right now, I feel like I'm finally capable of, of looking after it. And this lady, his soon-to-be wife, Renee, that was driving in every Sunday, was out there going, you know what, God, you lead me. If you say it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And as they were both serving others out of their love for God, God's love for them brought them to a place of finding each other. I think that's so beautiful. Spirit, soul, and body, friends. God is a restorer of all, and he wants us to be in complete wholeness in him. Can you say amen to that this morning? Would you mind, as, uh, as we close, if you could stand with me, uh, church? Oh, thanks, Rob. I was, um, I was thinking about 
um, what what verse to end with as we consider Jacques and Renee's journey and this this topic of conversation about you know God being a restorer and how He wants us to be in in complete wholeness in Him. And no matter how far we've drifted in any of those categories, God is able to bring us back. Uh, very quickly, I realized that there's probably barely a more beautiful example of that in Scripture than Psalm 139. Um, and I was, and I was just was wondering, as you know, thinking about and preparing for this morning as we close, I wondered if I could read the Scripture for us as we close, and I want to read it for us as a bit of a prayer, if that's okay. You know, David wrote most of the Psalms, and and he had this very, as we said just now, this personal, meditative, prayerful relationship almost with the Lord. You know, he wrote a lot of Psalms that were like prayers, and I guess considering our own journeys or maybe someone that we know about, we might need a. a a restorative work of God of some kind, whether that's firstly to Him or in some area in our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, or back into the body. You know, we touched on church hurt a little while ago. Maybe that's still something that's real and God wants to God wants to restore that back. You know, it's still His bride and He still wants you to be a part of it in your unique way. And so, church, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this verse for us. It's not on the screen. And um, I wonder if you could just close your eyes with me as I do that and I guess I just want us to position ourselves just to receive from Him. I don't want you to think about anything you have to do in this moment other than just receive. Um, I promise you I'm not going to throw something at you while your eyes are closed. Trust me. Although that would be pretty funny. But just close your eyes this morning for a moment. You can place your hands out in front of you if you feel comfortable. But whether you've been a Christian for 100 years or if this is your first day in church, I just want you to receive something of the Spirit this morning. As I, as I pray these words of Psalm. And I knew this was going to happen because this one, this one takes on a whole other meaning when you've, when you've come from a place of brokenness. These, these words, man, they become, they become like a lifeline, like Jacques said. So I'm just going to read this over us this morning, church, and I just want you to receive. Take your mind off anything else. God's not asking you to do anything else other than just receive. And this is the... This is the word. It's not Lloyd's words. It's not Father's house's words. This is God's words. And we believe in the power of His words to bring that restorative work to pass. Amen. Psalm 139. It says, Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It's lofty. I'm unable to reach it. Verse 7. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence, Lord? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I fly on the wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night. 
even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. Lord, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned out before a single one of them (sighs) began. And then finally, God, how precious your thoughts are to me. How vast their sum is. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, I am still with you. Father, we pray that every word you have spoken over us this morning would take rest in our souls, would produce the work of restoration, that we would grow in the knowledge of who you are and of who we are in you. Lord, we celebrate your power and thank you for your grace as we stand in your love. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, could we just give God one more shout of praise and worship and celebrate his name this morning? I think this verse is a particular meaning for me as a dad now, I guess, too, and having gone through a bit of a journey on that process myself. Um, But thank you so much, everybody, for being part of church this morning. We're going to have some of our team up front if you would like personal prayer or a conversation or if you'd like to chat to one of us about how to get involved. Otherwise, there's a My Story wall on my right there. You're welcome just to take one of the cookies and jot down on the page how God changed your life. Speaking of testimony, that's what we've kind of included as part of this message series. Uh, Otherwise, enjoy the rest of your week, friends. There's wonderful coffee and popcorn available outside after the service at the coffee shop. Uh, See you guys soon and God bless. Thank you so much, everyone.